If you got your lift notes, you can get them ready to roll here. If you got your Bibles, we'll be primarily in Luke chapter 4. Okay, so we're in a series here that's kicking off the year with kind of a two part message. One is that it's a challenge to make it a regular rhythm in your life to get alone with God. And there's a number of different ways we can do that. Get alone with God. Have those times of retreat with God. And then the, the second half of it, because it's purpose. And the purpose is what you fill up with in life is what you're going to pour out. What you fill up with is what you're going to pour out. Jesus models that he, even he, gets alone on retreat. Why? To fill up with God. He fills up with God. It's very clear. Luke 4, 14 says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness on a retreat with God. He's already full of the Spirit, it says in verse 1. And then in 14, it says, now he came back in the power of the Spirit. Even Jesus got alone to go on retreat so that he's filled up with the Father so that what he has to pour out to the whole world is the fruit and power of the kingdom. And my challenge to all of us is to be aware of the reality that all of us are filling up with something. We're all filling up with something because we're made for it and we're made to be filled up and pour out. And we're all pouring out something. And whether we want to or not, we have to pour out. Life requires stuff of us. Life requires, it draws on us. When you're at work, you are required to pour out. When you're married, when you've got kids, they draw from you. That's how God designed it, that there would be interaction and we're not just these little islands that don't affect anyone around us. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're trying, you're not working. It's not working. You are having an effect on people around you. There's a draw. It's because we're made to pour out. As Jesus models, we're made to get alone with God, get on retreat, fill up with God so that we pour out God. So we've been looking at this rhythm of Jesus. It's shocking that even Jesus, even Jesus goes on retreat regularly, I mean, we looked at four, five, six, seven passages in the book of Luke to establish this a few years, or a few years ago, a few weeks ago, that even Jesus regularly, it's called a pattern. It's called an intentional rhythm. He gets alone with the Father to fill up and then come back and re-engage with the world, good fruit and power of the kingdom. So if even Jesus does it, how much more does that need to be a regular, committed part of our life. And so what we're looking at now is the famous temptations that where the devil tempts Jesus with three different, very crucial aspects of life on one of Jesus's retreats. And so we're going to jump right into our, our, our second one this morning. Last week it was about the core question of life that has to do with filling up. What are you filling up with Last week's question was, are you satisfied? 
when the devil comes and says, hey, eat some bread, make some bread, then eat it. And Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone. It is so much bigger than physical food. That's not what it's mainly about. It's not about can Jesus handle one more day without food. This is about the question of appetite. And are you being driven by that appetite into filling up with junk? God designed us for pleasure. He designed us to be satisfied. And Jesus is that perfect model where he says, my portion is God alone and he's enough. And so he gives us this incredible model that on our alone times with God, that's gotta be a big part of what we're doing. We're seeking to have our soul satisfied in him above all else. Seek first his kingdom, then everything else. This is about that intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. We can commune with God Almighty, our perfect heavenly father as our good king. We can receive his love. We can be refreshed in his presence. He can satisfy our soul. As Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So it's gotta be a rhythm of our life where we get alone with God to say, nothing else works, God. Nothing else works. Nothing else satisfies. It's a dry and weary land. But you, with you, in you, you've got the, the pleasures forevermore. So there is this very, this is deep, deeply spiritual. This is, it's about you and God. It's about communing with God. It's about awaking the reality that you're primarily a spiritual creature. <laughs> and to know God, to commune with him on that deeply Holy Spirit, spiritual level is what you're made for, to be satisfied. That's last week's temptation. Moving on. This week, the devil's got another one to throw at him. So let's check it out. In Luke 4, as we said in verse 1, he's full of the Spirit. He goes into the wilderness on a retreat. And now let's pick it up in verses 5 to 8. So this is kind of temptation number two. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said to him, to you, I will give all of this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. That's a chilling thought, by the way. Who gave it to him? We did, not God. That's Genesis 1 to 3, where God created us to be his ambassadors on earth, to have his authority. Why does it say, go rule? Go rule the earth, he said. Be his ambassadors and extend the rule and reign of God's kingdom. And then we said, no thanks. We're getting a little curious. We're getting tempted. We're getting lied to. And we're going to give this away to the enemy. Anyways, not the point. Um, so to you, I will give authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will if then you will just worship me it'll all be yours and Jesus answered it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve this temptation addresses a very core issue to living filled up with God are you living filled up with God and here's the question, what is your mission? What is your mission? Do you know it? Because when you know your God-given, God-given mission, it will fill you up 
with passionate purpose. He absolutely will. And we're going to see how this directly connects with Jesus' mission here in a moment, but put that on pause. I want to just soak right here. God created you for and with a mission. Jesus himself has a mission. He has multiple aspects of mission. There's one mission that we cannot do. We cannot join him. He's got to do it all on his own. The mission to be in it, with his perfect life and death and resurrection. He is the only savior of the world. And by his name, there is salvation. Only by Jesus. That's his mission, no one else's. But there are aspects of his mission that we get to participate in. He specifically said, he took a group of 12, he took a group of 70, then he says, now tell the whole world, go be my ambassadors, I'm gonna fill you with the spirit, then go do what I do. Preach the gospel of the kingdom, share the good news that there's a good heavenly father that wants to reign in every aspect of your life to heal, to redeem, to restore, to live under the goodness of heaven's will. And by the way, as you're doing it, go heal the sick, go cast out demons, go raise the dead. That's a lot of Jesus stuff. But multiple times he says, now you go get to do it. We're on the journey. God created each and every one of us for mission. You're not too young, you're not too old. Every single person has divine purpose for mission. I mean, I thought about it this morning. My little niece, who's 11, 10, just turned 11, she is in like second grade, third grade, and she starts feeling this mission from God to invite her unbelieving friends to come to her house and hear about Jesus. Where does she get that idea? The Holy Spirit, and because she knows mama tells cool stories about Jesus. So it starts like a year ago, and now my little niece has got this group of like 11 or 12 little girls after school ride the bus in downtown LA to go to her house to hear these cool little stories about Jesus, eat some bread together, and they pray. And they feel the Holy Spirit. She's like 10. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it's just, it's, it's flowing out. She feels it. I mean, she's growing up in a great house, so it's this, this message is getting to her early. What are your gifts? What are your passions? What are you good at? What's God doing? You're never too young. Ephesians 2.10 says it like this. We are God's masterpiece. It's hmm. a good one. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things, the good works that he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. And you just got to get in the Greek a little bit on this one. The word is poema, where we get the word poem. God is an artist. You are his canvas that he says is beautiful. And it's specifically related to the things that long ago, before you were even born, he got excited like a good artist to say, yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make her like this. I'm gonna put this gift and this passion and this combination, oh, and she's gonna reflect my beauty, my glory to the world like this. And he did it with every single person he ever created so that we all would uniquely reflect his glory to the world. He, you see what's happening? He's trying, to re, he's trying to renew the original design of creation, trying to fix things. 
We're created anew in Christ Jesus. That's been the plan the whole time, is that his people would spread his glory to the world, to reflect the goodness of God to the whole world, fill the earth with his glory. That's always been the mission. And here it gets into that personal level where each and every single one of us have been uniquely designed, wired, created with the hand of the master artist so that you, like, a be- like beautiful poetry, can reflect him out to the world. And in another place, the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 13:3-9 is, we are co-laborers with God. I mean, you just gotta let that settle in. Co-laborers with God to see his kingdom advance. That's God's will for everyone. That is God's design for everyone. The word in the the Greek here, and sometimes, you know, don't do this all the time, but you gotta geek out a little bit because there's power in seeing it. The word is synergoi, or synergoi. You might recognize it in English as synergy. It literally means, it's two, it's a compound word, the S-Y-N or soon sin, not bad sin, just it means with, with. And then ergoi is plural for work. So it's Paul saying, we are created to work with God, to work right alongside God, to be fellow workers, to be co-workers, to synergize with God that his kingdom advances by his power through us. He doesn't need us. He could have designed, you know, the rocks can cry out, as the Bible says, but he's so good he says, no, but you're my poetry. I want to sing through you. Oh, I'm, almost, I'm crying. Jesus, you're good. <laughs> Woo. Ah, that's good news. Mm. That each and every one of us is created by God to do something that matters out in the world that has divine significance. I mean, think about how many people are out there Oh, the stats of this generation, you know, the fastest growing cause of death in this country is, among young people, is suicide. That's people that don't know their purpose, that don't know that they're the poetry of God. You are not an accident. It's literally your God's poetry. He wants to find the way that you sing, and he sings through you, and that's for all of us. That is good news. And it's going to bring you alive. It's going to feel good. And God designed it that way. Jesus said it like this. There was a time where he's, he's having a, such a good time ministering to this, this very, very hurting, broken, outcasted woman that he forgets to eat lunch. Just too good. I don't, I don't care about food right now. And the disciples come and, and they're like, you know, Rabbi, amongst a host of other shocking things that are happening, that he's, that's, because he's loving this unlovable woman, so to speak. But the disciples are like, Rabbi, aren't you gonna eat? We got, we, you know, we did, the, we did the, you know, the food trip. Here it is, you're not eating, what's going on? And in a playful, I think, but sarcastic, but serious kind of way, Jesus says this, I have food to eat that you do not know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. That's called being on mission. 
And when you know you're on mission and you're completing the mission that God's given you, it brings you fully alive. Ah, gotta find your mission. Gotta find your missions. There's not just one. Not just one. There's probably a few core things that you are created to do that are kind of these lifelong, big picture, this is how I wired you, this is how you're gonna operate, this is how I'm gonna sing through you. It's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be glorious, it's gonna be powerful, it's gonna be hard road getting there, and we'll get to that in a minute, but this is, you know, you're made for this. And then there's gonna be things that are in season, various seasons of life, call for different things. It may be a year, maybe two, maybe five, maybe six months, that you know this is my mission. Sometimes I like to call that my assignment or our assignment for a season. And then there's stuff, it's daily. That's part of the getting alone with God daily. I had it in my, in my calendar for a long time to train my mind to think like this. It was 9.30 a.m. and the question just says right there, what is the Father doing? And it was to train my mind. Are you doing this day on your own strength? Are you doing it for your own agenda? Are you doing it for your glory? Have you gotten alone with God today to make sure you've gotten your marching orders for today? It could be the daily mission that God's got for you. I mean, some of those things, I mean, let's just get down to a very, very basic level. Like some relationships, if you're in them, they are part of the deal. Let's just affirm for a moment, if you're married, that is a mission. That is one of the most holy missions God could ever give. That's why in some of the qualifications for elders in the Bible, it says, if your home's not in order, don't try to lead the church because your mission field is first at home in your marriage. And by an extension of that, if you've got kids with your kids, they don't get the sloppy seconds afterwards. Now I've done the holy work. Now, if I've got anything left, I'll bring it home. It's the opposite. They're your first mission. I remember God was firing me up, Psalm 112, specifically about being a dad. I was alone on a retreat with God. Just a simple little morning devotion. It's amazing what happens when you do it. God speaks. So now this is a life verse for me. This is a mission. This is a divine vision about being a dad. Psalm 112, 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who reveres the Lord, who greatly delights in his ways and his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in land. That's some vision that puts a fire in the belly. Because you know what? <laughs> Sometimes parenting's hard, right? Sometimes parenting, it, it demands of you. It's a daily grind. It's a test on your patience. It takes a lot of energy every day, and sometimes you don't do good. Sometimes every day is not better, and sometimes you blow it. But when you know it's a mission from God that has divine purpose, it fills you up and gives you an energy you do not have on your own strength. So then the things, the, the, the daily grind of the cooking the meals and the taking them all over the place and being in the taxi cab and, and talking to them about life and, and sharing your values and, and disciplining them when it's needed. And then those interruptions that you just don't want, like yesterday morning, oh, being a parent. So it's Saturday and we've been, 
doing a lot, you know, right now. Schedule's busy, it's full, and it's like Saturday morning. All right, I'm coaching two basketball games here, but I don't have to leave till 9.15. Alarm, you devil, I am setting you for later. And it's like, I get, I mean, you know, catch up a little, only day of the week, can sleep in remotely, get a couple extra hours in there. And so it's like 8 o'clock, the alarm's going, so that feels good going to bed. And then sure enough, tap on the shoulder, you know. Turn over, oh, it's 6 a.m. Little Pax, he's eight years old. Daddy, can I be sleep with you and snuggle? I had a dream about snakes. <laughs> what loser says no? <laughs> you know, like, do I have a choice? But no, it's like, all right, do you come in the covers? I wrap him in there. He gets in. He's still small enough to be a little cocoon. And, uh, Thank you, Lord. There is divine purpose in this moment. Even though it's not what I asked for and not what I want. <laughs> but there is divine purpose so that as he grows up and he has fears and he gets scared, there's this trigger in his mind of a heavenly father, a good father who says, when you need it, I'm here. I'll protect you. Everything's cool. And so when the Bible starts talking about that as God, he's like, man, I know that. I already know that love, so I believe it. That's just those little things where it's the daily grind, but if you've got God's word in your heart that has shown you your mission, suddenly you're, you're filled up and you're able to live at another level. And that's obviously just one of many aspects of mission with God that he wants to bring alive in each of us. And let's just talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment. Mission, being on mission, finding your mission, and being empowered for that mission is one of the big reasons that Jesus sent his Holy Spirit after he left. What does he say? In Acts 1, 5, and 8, he says, wait, wait there for the promise of the Father when you receive power from on high, you will be clothed. You'll be clothed with power to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That right there, that description is 100% about mission. There's other places he talks about the Holy Spirit, our comforter, he'll reveal truth. Those are awesome things too. This is 100% about mission. You're clothed with power to go represent me to the ends of the earth in whatever mission field I put you. And that's good news. And then the reality hits that we are born into a war. Because once you find your mission, the devil is gonna come and oppose it. Spiritual battle is real. And that's what we see here in Jesus, where Jesus knows his mission. He's getting alone with God. And the devil comes, and the, in this case, and there's two things that happen. One of them's next week, and it's a big one. It's about how he's gonna try to discourage you off of your mission and do whatever he can to get you to quit. So if you ever have felt like you've got vision from the Lord and mission and it's clear and then it's not working out and you get discouraged and there's problems and issues and trials and you wanna give up, all par for the course. And we're going to look at next week, how do we combat that? 
This one is specifically how the devil is going to try to tempt you with a counterfeit mission. A counterfeit mission. Listen to what he says to Jesus. This is where the devil's going to try to get you to use your gifts and passions. And this is what's dangerous. He knows you're God's poetry. He sees how God's wired you. And he's not going to call you to some crazy thing. You know, hey, Casey, you know, you're going you're gonna to be a prophetic dancer for the Lord. You know, like... The devil's not that dumb, you know? I've never heard that, so, and I don't think I'm going to. I'm not concerned. He's not that stupid. I shouldn't have said that in public because I'm probably going to be dancing like an idiot sometime soon. Um, uh, but just think about it. The devil's been doing this for a long time. He knows your gifts. He knows your passions. He knows how you're wired. So look for those ways where he's going to try to Bring, try to lie to you, bring that alive, but counterfeit it. Watch the example. Luke 4, 5 to 7. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, I will, and I give it to whom I want. Okay. He says, look, I can, give you, I can make you king. I'll give you authority and glory. Now, isn't that actually really close to Jesus' exact mission? Kingship, authority, glory. This is Luke 4. Look what happens when you keep reading the Bible. Watch Luke 4, 15. And Jesus taught in their synagogues, and he was glorified by all in a good way. Luke 4, 32, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. Luke 4, 36, and they were all amazed and said to one, or, one another, what is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Luke 5, 24, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, pick up your mat and go home. Luke 5, 26, amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, wow, we have seen extraordinary things today. Authority and glory are the devil's temptations. They are also an integral part of the real mission. Look how wily that is. To you, I will give all this authority and their glory. So how do you know it's a counterfeit mission and not the real thing? Jesus shows us in his answer. The devil says, if then you will worship me, it'll all be yours. And Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It's a very simple answer, but it is one of the deepest truths, deepest theological issues Who's getting worship? Who's getting glory? Jesus says, worship God alone. Serve so that he gets the glory. That's how you know. It's so simple. It's so simple, but man, has it taken out thousands upon thousands of soldiers. How do you know if it's counterfeit mission? Is God 
getting the glory? Is it resulting in worship and glorification of your God? Of God, excuse me. The enemy is going to try to tempt you into that counterfeit mission that seems reasonable, but it's the slightest tweak ever where you get to use your gifts and passions, but in your heart there's a deception because now it's for your glory. It's so that you could be exalted, so that you can be worshipped. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt your gifts and passions that God's given you, but then right in that temptation, you can see that if you carry it out, the end result, or even in the middle, or even at the beginning, your heart is about gifts and passions. And if you're honest, it's about your glory. So I said, you looking good. It's about people saying, oh my gosh, that person, bleh. <laughs> Sorry, that's my own gut response because I've wrestled with it too. I remember I was 19 and God started showing me this stuff and I was in all these different leadership positions in student government and had my plan to become the president of UCSD and I was only a sophomore on the executive council so I got a road, man, boom. And the Lord showed me, you want your glory. And so I just quit. <laughs> I got scared. I quit everything. Quit all leadership positions. Just got scared. I know I don't want to do that, Lord. It took me about a year before the Lord said, hey, hey, that's, uh, that's not the answer. <laughs> Oh, yeah. If, every, if everyone does that, wow, do you see how effective that'll be? He's like, no, it's, I made you gifts and passions. It's about my glory. So that's, that's, that's really where it comes down to. Are you making time to get alone with God and let him speak to you about your gifts, your passions, your mission, how it synergizes with God's will? wants to bestow his power upon you to be that song of God in your sphere of influence right now. But then you also got to wrestle. This is part dying to the flesh, getting alone with God. Oh God, I, I, I want this to be about me. I see that. Work on my heart, Lord. Help me put this to death. Help me be so in love with your glory and that you get worshiped, and that the name of Jesus is extolled, and that that's enough. Change, help me, help me, put this to death so that I can join in on the mission that you've called me to, to see your kingdom advance through me, and that's a joyful thing enough that I don't need anything else. That's it. I want to see you now extolled in everything. I want to see you get glory and worship. So if you didn't know, well, what should I do in my quiet time? You're welcome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this incredible good news of, of who you are and just how you've created us. So good. Such a privilege, Lord. Such a privilege. We ask that your Holy Spirit right now, just in a very quiet moment, brief would you just clarify some things in hearts? This is what I want to say to you before you're done. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just be clarifying in hearts. What is the specific thing that you're wanting to say to each and every one of us? Let's take a moment.
Jesus, thank you that you're so good. Thank you that this journey, this invitation to follow you is the abundant life. There will be struggles. There will be trials. There will be dying to self. But there is no life like life in you. So we thank you, Lord. We pray your spirit seal in us a courageous spirit that would seek you to know our mission every day, every season, and for our life, and that you would put to death that lie and temptation of the enemy that it has to be about us, that we can be fully alive when it's about you. Pray your spirit seal these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before we go, I want to put, again, an emphasis on prayer. We have a prayer team that's going to be right up here. This is the first Sunday of the month, so prayer team, I forgot to send you your reminder. So if you're first Sunday, you're up here, come, come hot and heavy. Um, for many, this right now should be the most important thing that happens today. It will be the most important thing that happens today. In our church, prayer is not an afterthought. It's in some ways like where we're trying to go as the climax, to interact with God. And you can do that on your own, but there is an abundance of promises in his word that say when you, essentially you humble yourself and share it with someone else, his power is there in increased measure. So we'll just have a prayer team right up here. We want to pray with you, pray for you, and it's just partnering with you for what God wants to do. So if you're particularly stirred up about this message and your heart's just saying, yes, more Lord, I would encourage you come forward and just say, I want more of that. Whatever they were talking about today, more, yes, Lord. That's it, it doesn't have to be long. Or if there's something else, you know there's a struggle in your life, you know something's heavy, you, you need that physical healing, you need that job breakthrough, that relationship breakthrough, whatever it is, I would say, please let us join with you for what God wants to do. And then come back again next week and just say again, Let's join with you. All right, so other than that, I encourage you to stick around, grab some talkie, say hi to one another. And my wife was feeling fire before the service on the prayer, so she'll share the last word and we will be done. All right, so I'm even more excited about this word. Um, the Lord gave it to me last night and uh, I was getting ready for bed and then all of a sudden I feel like the Lord's giving me a word and it lasted about an hour and so I'm up really, really late. But it's going to last one minute right now, so praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so <laughs> I didn't say the word was going to last an hour that I was going to share. Dude, seriously, you need a mic pop. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I love him. I do. That's why I married him. I love this crazy guy. Um, he makes me laugh all day long. Um, so last night before the Lord gave me this word, I felt the words fresh word. And I felt the words for our mission. And I actually didn't know what the sermon was on. Yeah. We had been listening to the Lord all week together, just getting some strategy and feeling just leading of the Holy Spirit for different things. But the one thing we actually did not talk about was what the message was going to be on, which usually it's a tandem thing, but it didn't happen this week with everything going on, right? So last night, mm. so the Lord is on this. Mm. He is hot on this. Last night he spoke to me a fresh word for our mission. Mm. And that's what he's speaking today. So I want to share um, the picture 
that God gave me. And, and I actually drew it out, and um, it's probably much too small for you to see. So I guess I will try and describe it to you. So there was the picture of a bullseye. You know, you've got the bullseye target over here. And there's a picture of an arrow, and it's heading straight for the center of that bullseye. And the headline over this image was our mission. Yeah. This was our mission. So we're the arrow, and we are on course, on assignments, right, heading towards that bullseye on mission. And I just had this sense of the arrow, and this is actually, <laughs> believe it or not, this stemmed out of a, an experience that I had with God. I was actually up late praying with my son. Everybody else was in bed. My son is growing in his prophetic giftings and practicing learning to hear the Lord. So we're praying together, and the Lord gives me this word through him that was so powerful, and I felt like the Lord wants to duplicate it again today. So anyways, we, so you've got the target on assignment, on mission. You've got the arrow, and this is us, right? We're on mission. And it was like this picture of the arrow, you know, it kind of bobbles it kind of goes side to side, and it was this sense that the Holy Spirit, like if you picture there's wind all around the arrow, right? The Holy Spirit, like, like the wind, wanted to come and encompass and tighten that grip. It, it like wrap around the arrow, like the Passion Translation talks about his wraparound presence, wanted to wrap around that arrow and make it strong, sustain it, strengthen that course, make it sharp and straight and on course to go on target, to stick with the mission. And I felt this sense of being filled with nutrients from the Lord, revitalization from the Lord, a tightening of the grip in a powerful way that feels like a hug from the Holy Spirit and encouraging where there's been difficult times. And the end result was a um, just more empowered, sustained with the nutrients, the food and the water of the Lord, and a strengthening within to be on that mission, on course, on mission with the Lord, heading straight, I want to read the word, um, there was one particular word, heading, heading straight for that target, but um, there was you, a specific word, a direct hit, a direct hit, like, you know, when you make a shot or a missile, a direct hit, where we are just in line with the Holy Spirit, filled with his power, filled with his strength, filled with his love, where we felt the areas that we need repair and refreshing, he's filling us. And so I felt the Lord moving in power this morning to give us those nutrients. So I felt a, just a very strong sense from the Lord that this time afterwards during prayer, that there are going to be prophetic words and a pouring out of the Holy Spirit, strengthening, revitalizing, giving nutrients, refreshing for the journey, and his Holy Spirit presence encompassing around us with this grip, like his wraparound presence, just hugging us and filling us with everything that we need to be on mission with him. Amen. So, All right. Yeah. So be it. If the prayer team could come forward.
dance a new dance. Now.